Father, I thank you so much for this day. Oh, man, <sighs> what an awesome day. Just uh, to be able to worship you, Lord. Um, in a world that feels crazy, God, just being able to be with your saints feels uh, feels like an oasis. It feels like a, a place of refuge and shelter, Lord. And, um, you know, your word even calls being in your presence a hiding place, a place that we can get away from uh, the storms of this life. And I just pray right now for everyone in this room, God, whether this is the only time they'll ever be here, um, you have a purpose in that. And I pray, God, I have no idea what that is, but I do pray that they would see it and they would hear it and know it in their hearts, that God, regardless of their view of the messenger, Lord, that the message would be so true and loud. I pray you would break through hard hearts, that you would heal broken hearts, um, that you'd bring home the lost. And uh, God, we just pray for your protection and your guidance. And Lord, I, I pray, and I mean this humbly, Lord, that you would help me to preach your word, to preach it well, and that I wouldn't get in the way, and I will give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, uh, welcome to The Remnant. My name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. If it is your first time, um, why is there strange verses up there? Ignore them, he says. Okay. (laughs) Guys, don't look at my cheat sheet up there. Um, If it is your first time, I'm the pastor here. Uh, We have, we are, I don't know how long it's going to be. I say the middle end, I don't know, of a series called Culture Wars. Really simply, God's kingdom is opposed, right? It's directly opposed to the world. That's just reality. You don't have to be, regardless of your view of Christianity, I think we can all agree that what's outside of this church, right? And I mean with a capital C, God's church, God's people, God's body is in an opposition. And sometimes it's very blatant, right? And sometimes it's very subtle. But regardless, they clash. And here's, here's the facts, folks. As we continue in this craziness that we're in right now in this world, um, it can sometimes become hard to tell where the kingdom ends and the world begins. Get what I'm saying? There's a blending. The world, or the, excuse me, the church is becoming uh, affected by the world. It is, right? There's compromise. And, you know, yes, Jesus is what saves us. And we'll talk about that. Jesus. Jesus saves us. And so there's leeway. Like, no one gets it 100% right. But listen, there is, it's getting to a point where, where is the line? And there is a line. Jesus makes that very clear. Which is, excuse me, exactly why he's not, people don't like him. (laughs) Even today. They don't like him because he tells you that you're not good enough on your own. That you aren't right. And guess what? I don't know about you. I don't like being told I'm wrong. We don't like being told we're wrong. And the world certainly doesn't like that. And see, the lie they give you is you can have it all. You can have Jesus your way. And so that's what we're talking about. And I can tell you this. You know, I anticipated this series being pretty cut and dry. I forgot how to speak for a minute. Uh, cut and dry, and you know I'm going to talk, talk about the topics. Clearly, if you're here at the beginning, we talked about trans movement in general. I say that every time because if you're new, I might as well offend you now. We'll just get that separated. Um, but we talked about that. You can go, well, I don't even remember what it was called. Someone might, the first one. But go check that out and talks about and how crazy it's gotten, right? I keep bringing it up because it's wild, right? That's the line. Now it's transabled. Some people say, I shouldn't have ever been born with legs, so I'm going to cut my legs off. That's real. That's a real thing. But God over time has kind of been like, uh, I don't know, changing my heart a little bit about where this goes and where we're supposed to go with it. Um, <clears throat> so that's where we're at. And I don't know how many more there'll be. And um, today, if it were up to me, it makes more sense for it to be the last one. It, I don't think it will be. But the topic makes more sense for it to be the last one. You'll see. You'll see, Fred. Uh, I just wanted to say your name, man. It's been a while. Uh, I'm going to dive into Scripture. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, um, listen, unrelated, you know, new school, old school vibe. There's a song that says that. You should have a hard copy of a Bible. I'm serious. I'm not judging you. I'm not shaming you if you don't have it today, okay? I get it. It's handy to have this. In fact, I I would be a hypocrite. Here's mine. (laughs) Not my Bible, my phone. I have it with me. I get it. But I'm telling you, it's a lot easier um, to get distracted. All your notifications, right? Let's let's not even play. 
You pull up your verse, and then it's like, ding, Billy Bob liked your photo. Ooh, right? <laughs> Billy Bob likes all your photos. Anyway, <clears throat> dive in. Okay, I'm reading from the CSB. Luke 9, starting at uh, verse 18 through 26, if you are on your phone, so you know the whole section. <clears throat> While he was praying in private, who do you think that he was? <laughs> wow, I was really excited. Good. Uh, that's just because you're getting married next week. you got all that excitement build up. While he was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, others, Elijah, still others, that one of the ancient prophets has come back. But you, he asked them, now these are his, his close followers, but you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, but he gets a hard time, like, Peter's the guy who gets a lot of, um, we give him a hard time, but this is, this is why he's the rock. Peter answered, God's Messiah, the Messiah. But he strictly warned, well, before I go on, but right before this, Jesus had performed the miracle bread, okay? Again, a miracle that we kind of go, okay, man, let's get to the good miracles, like healing the lame. If I brought a loaf of bread up here, okay, seven pieces or something, and I fed all of you with it, and there was some left over, you would go, that's an incredible miracle. But we're kind of like, man, I want something more than bread, right? So <clears throat> he performs this incredible miracle. As soon as they come back, right? Oh, man, Jesus' humanity speaks to me a lot. I think he, I mean, fully human, fully God, right? You don't think he had moments of, of doubt. Who am I to you? I performed the miracle. Who am I to you? So he'd already done something, things that hadn't been done. And so what, do we, what, are, what is everyone saying? Well, they're saying he's everyone except who he is. The crowds are saying, oh, he's John the Baptist. Others, Elijah. Elijah's pretty cool. We're going to talk about him. Elijah's pretty cool, does some crazy things. One of the other ancient prophets, maybe your Moses has come back. And he says, he just ignores that. He doesn't even speak into who he's not. He just says, who am I? Peter says, God's Messiah. Let's keep going. But he strictly warned them and instructed them to tell this to no one. By the way, those of you are like, why does he say that all the time? Because it wasn't time yet. He knew what was going to happen, right, as he made that claim. Religious people, they don't like that because he is above their authority. You understand? Jesus threatens religious people because the authority is not on them. He's the one that holds the keys, right? <clears throat> but he strictly warned them and instructed them to tell no one, saying, it is necessary that the Son of Man suffer many things and be rejected by the elders. Son of Man, boy, that's good. You know why? Who is Adam? He's the first man. Who's Jesus? He's the, he's the man that Adam was supposed to be. Right? He is the perfect representative of us. That the Son of Man suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and scribes, be killed and be raised the third day. Now listen, friends. I know. This is the part of the message where you're like, I got through the, the hopping music. Andy got him going. Now it's sleep time till Taco Bell. Let's fight that off. All right? Then he said to all of them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? Now, all of this leads up to this next verse. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and the holy angels. Now, immediately, <laughs> I always say this. A Christian that goes to church every week, right, or from our view, a Christian, someone goes to church every week, you think if you go up to them and say, hi, are you ashamed of Christ, they're going to say yes? No, nobody says that. And yet he implies that there are people that are going to be. So how do you know what being ashamed of them is? I'll tell you a story. I've told this before. This was kind of a little weird lesson to me, and I shouldn't tell you this, Fred. It's me and you today, buddy. I shouldn't tell you this today, right? <clears throat> Because it doesn't make me look good. I was getting my hair cut one time, okay? Well, just once. I got my hair cut one time. And I went to get my hair cut, and uh, I, I always I got to the point where I had the same lady cut my hair, right? If you find someone that can do a decent fade, you got to stay with them, right? <clears throat> and um, 
It's not the same person, so don't judge me. Anyway, uh, when I'm sitting there and I'm talking to them, and listen, I never planned on being a pastor. That's not a story to make you feel, you know, to be hyper-religious or to sound cool. I genuinely didn't. I wanted to be a football coach, teacher, or an attorney. I didn't say lawyer because I tend to be a southern person. I say lawyer, and apparently you guys say that isn't right. But by the way, it's practicing law, not loy. So why do you call it lawyer? Hmm? Gotcha. Anyway, that's what I wanted to be, genuinely. I thought that's what I was going to be once I realized the NFL ain't going to work out. Uh, I was giggling at that part. Not the attorney part. It's just that part. Um, They're about to make me tell mom was a baller. I can't do it. Stay focused. Um, Anyway, I'm in there. Because I never want to be a pastor, partially because I wasn't raised in the church. Um, I I intrinsically, I didn't get saved until, you know, 17, 16 to 17. And then I didn't really get it, right? Fully get it until I was 21, right? And then, of course, you think you get it, and you learn you don't get it, right? And that's the whole process. But as I'm, part of the reason I, I, I tell you all this is because I understand that when someone says pastor, immediately everyone puts on their pastor mask, right? So if I meet you in a store, and we're talking, and we're having a good time, we're like, hey, this guy's okay, right? That happens every now and then. And then I say I'm a pastor, you immediately go, Right? Right, your butt cheeks squeeze. You get you get scared, <clears throat> and you're like walking across the room. Right, <clears throat> so while I'm getting my hair cut, these people kind of talk to me like I'm a normal person, which I am. I'm actually a little abnormal, but not the way they think. <clears throat> and man, this is embarrassing to tell you. This was early on, and people. And sometimes I'm still tempted to do this, and I justify it to myself, and I've wrestled with it. I say, Hey, what do you do for a living? You know what I said? The one time when they finally. After months of being normal, I was like, oh, I just work for a nonprofit. See, I shouldn't have told you that, Fred, but I did. And in my mind, I justified it by saying two things. One was, I just wanted to have some place where people are going to be normal, right, to me. Which, by the way, when I eventually tell them, they immediately got weird, right? Or they do this. This is so funny. Some of you are like, so, what do you do when you're a pastor? You just kind of work on the weekends and, you know, what do you do the rest of your time? Uh, and uh, so I justified it by saying I wanted to be normal and then also that like hey I don't want like my failings and my flaws to, to ruin the image of Christ that's not true I didn't want standing with him to affect their view of me right even if the view was just to be normal to be viewed as normal right <clears throat> I tell you this because, and I knew immediately the Holy Spirit pricked my, you know, my heart and was like, what is it, are you ashamed of me? Now, that's why I get, I kind of, I pick on you guys that get arrogant when I'm preaching. (laughs) I never do that. Yes, you do. You do it all the time. We do it all the time, right, To, to varying degrees. Whoever's ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and the Holy Angels. This won't be on the screen, but 2 Timothy 3.12 says this. Indeed, all who desire, this is the Apostle Paul, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's it. So earlier I mentioned to you, um, right, what is it, you know, being ashamed, and how do we know if we're being ashamed, and all these other things. See, the more the persecution, the more the cost, the more it's going to show if we're ashamed of Jesus. So for me, all it took was I don't want to look different in front of the person cutting my hair. For some of you, it's, well, I'm being a light to them. But you're not showing any light. And so there's a lot of Christians in the world that say, I will stand firm to the end, but they can't stand firm to their friends. They can't stand firm to their family. And the reason that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, that is a sentence, end of story, boom. Let's think this through. Does does the world have an issue with love? Some of you are like, I think so. No, I'm asking you, does the world have an issue with love? If I say I love people, do they hate that? No. Does the world have an issue with forgiveness? Sometimes, cancel culture, right? No. Does the world have an issue with grace? 
The idea of grace of like we accept people for it. No, they don't. What the world has an issue with is being told they're wrong. <clears throat> I realized something. And we're going to talk about this today. As we talk about culture and we talk about standing firm and being salt and light. That's why I give you a hard time when you fall asleep. That's why I do all that. You're going to stand in persecution, but you can't stay awake for four hours of a sermon. I'm just kidding, right? right? By the way, whichever one went out and told them I preached till 3 p.m., you're a liar. That never happened. Yet. Yet. <clears throat> Luke, it'll just be me and you, right? <laughs> Maybe Greg. <laughs> uh Luke's like, yeah, he's the only one, I'm telling you. <clears throat> what I've realized, though, is I spend the vast majority of my time trying to talk you into believing this is real. I spend the majority of my time trying to talk you, and I'm talking to believers, into, into following Jesus into believing that this Bible is real. So you'll say that, yes, I'm a Christian, but when it comes to having to uh, call out sin amongst close people to you, to stand firm, anytime there's a cost, all of a sudden we're having a debate on whether or not it's the right path. I've had people come to this church, awesome people, so this isn't talking bad about them. They love this place at first, right? They're, it's cool, and I don't know why they love it at first, but they do. And then guess what happens? When all of a sudden they're saying, we're trying to live this out imperfectly, but we're trying to live this out, meaning we're going to notice if you're not here for a month, and we're going to probably say, what's going on? You okay? We're, if you are out drunk on the corner of the street, we're going to walk with you, right, publicly, you get, but we're going to say, you shouldn't be drunk on the corner of the street. What's going on? And then all of a sudden, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what Jesus is about. Jesus is just about cool lights, worship, hipster pastors, and, and getting through and having a party and eating donuts. That's what it's all about. But that doesn't get people persecuted. Even some of you in this room, I only see you every few months. And praise God for it. Before you go, he's talking to me. I'm not thinking of anyone specifically, but I know how it rolls. And that's because you kind of like, you know, you like that club Jesus. When I need a little encouragement, when I need a little hop, I'll show up and then that's it. And you think that's following you. Talking people into it is, the, is what we do. Is the vast majority of what I do. And when I start to think about what he said, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, what is it saying about us, about you? If I have to somehow, from a human perspective, convince you that the Bible says what it says. I'm not talking about the gray areas. I'm talking about the areas that are right there. By the way, there's a lot fewer gray areas than you think. And if you apply all the Bible, the gray becomes pretty clear. You want it both ways. You want to party. You want to have fun and then get your Jesus on Sunday so you can feel forgiven again and then hop right back into the world and you wonder why you're miserable. And you're banking on the fact that, that you're with him. What are you doing in those moments? Are you not ashamed? Even church attendance, and I'm a guy, I have to say this because some of you are new. I was a guy that literally said this, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, which you don't. Right? Because I'm, but Christians go to church. So if it ain't here, find a place that you can get plugged in. I, you, would you have an, you argue with me about it. Are you going to say that to Jesus? And then all the justification, all the reasons. And then this is how I get you. This is how I find you. This is how I can prove to you where your heart's really at. I bet you don't miss work as much as you miss church. It's optional. So you think it's optional. Stay with me, and we'll get to the point. It's not even a point. Isn't that crazy? If it's, if it's optional now, what do you think is going to happen when the, when the story, do you believe in Jesus? I'll say yes, Lord. You can't even say yes to getting up in the morning. There's a difference between struggling and wrestling to follow him, right, in the areas that, we, that our flesh want to battle, 
and, and justifying not following him. So I'm sitting here, and we, we and, and as even in culture wars, I'm kind of like, okay, well, I'm telling you this stuff, and I want to, and like, it's good for us to like, try to clarify what's going on and what the Bible really says about things, but guys, the reality is, People say all the time, Todd, you must not like Christians. I got a thing on Real Talk once. We used to have a podcast, right? We still do. It just hasn't been on a while. Todd, you must not like Christians. I was like, I like Christians fine. I'm one of them. I don't like the version I'm being sold. I want to tell you, we're going to look at a story real quick, and I'll try to wrap this all up. Keep in mind the idea that he says this very, very clearly. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, if this is serious, all right, let's see. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man, Jesus will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and the Holy Angels. You, that sounds like it better be very important to you to figure out what it is to be ashamed, right? Do you want him to say, I don't know you? Do you? Then you better figure out what this means. We better figure out what this means. And that's why, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Let me ask you a question. Everybody like you? Well, I don't ruffle feathers at work. I don't ruffle feathers at home. I don't ruffle feathers at family reunions. I don't want to upset anyone. What's the real reason? The truth upsets them? If they had cancer and were dying, would you not want to upset them by telling them you had the cure? I don't want to upset you. I'll just let you die. So, come back to that. Ashamed. The Apostle Paul, he's got a crazy story, right? This guy was a Jew that persecuted a, you know, one of the elite. He persecuted Christians. He killed them. I'm going to say this again. He killed Christians. He persecuted Jesus, right, through Christians. He gets this, has this incredible conversion story where God, Jesus, shows himself to him on the road and says, hey, what are you doing, right? Makes him blind. It's a crazy story. Do you believe it happened? Because it did. It either did. It's either true or it didn't. He's blind. He comes to, and this guy, this is fact. This is, by the way, proof of the gospel. This guy who persecuted, had everything to lose, chose to lose it all to follow Jesus. He was the man. <clears throat> So then all of a sudden, the book of Acts tells us the beginning of the church. And in this, this there's, a, there's a story that I think is crazy. Essentially what happens is as he starts preaching, he ends up preaching to the Jewish leaders. And they're like, kill this guy. He's a blasphemer. And he goes, hi, you can't. I want to talk to Caesar. Long story short, it's like us being an American citizen. He has rights. I want to talk to him. So then they're like, oh, we can't kill him. He's got to, we got to give him due trial, right? Due process. So then they send him to the next guy up. He goes to that guy, preaches, and they send him to the next guy, right, working his way up every time. By the way, along each stop, guess what he's doing? You think he's going, listen, Jesus is cool with you, all right, and he's cool with me. I'm sorry to offend you. No, he's just telling him the truth. We get up to this guy named <clears throat> King Agrippa, a king. It doesn't matter how it's all set. You have Caesar above him, kings of these various regions. He gets to this king, and this is what happens. He's brought before him in chains because this guy has the power of life or death of this over Paul. You understand? You with me? I'll throw a podium. Right? We got to get that, Fred. We got to get that podium done here. Right? Fred said I should make one. I can throw it, you guys. And then you'll never come back. Anyway, uh, so here's what happened. So he goes, all right, tell me your story, Paul. Starting uh, Acts 26, starting at verse 13. King Agrippa, while still on the road at midday, I saw, this is him. King Agrippa, while on the road at midday, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those traveling with me. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice speaking to me in Aramaic. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you. <laughs> this is, you guys aren't going to get this. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Um, it's a saying. Ignore it. It's a saying. It's, right? I asked, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. So you're standing before a king. Let me make it. You're standing before your CEO, and they say, tell me why you became a Christian. Okay, it's very easy at this point. He could have said, hey, I had a conversion story. I came to know Christ at an evangelistic event. Get what I'm saying? Everybody's good. Ain't nobody going to have a problem with you telling an evangelistic event. Instead, he just tells it how, exactly how it went. 
He starts this crazy story. Again, you're all Christianized, so you say you believe it, but if, someone's, if I said this to you today, you wouldn't believe that. Diane, you wouldn't believe me. You wouldn't, okay? <laughs> it's the first time I said your name. See, you get it. She's like, oh, boy, I'm not coming back. Anyway, he tells him he sees a light. He says, Lord, Lord, he says this Jesus one spoke to him. All right, going, moving on in verse 16. But get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. You're standing before the king, and you say, he told me to come because you guys belong to Satan, and you are in darkness, and, and I'm supposed to bring you the light. He's the king. Okay? Think this through. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Instead, I preached to those in Damascus first, and to those in Jerusalem, and all the region of Judea, and to the Gentiles, that they should repent, change, and turn to God, and do works worthy of repentance. Woo! I believe in Jesus. What's changed? That's where we lose people. I'm cool with accepting it, getting prayed for, feeling good. But what you mean I got to change something? You got to turn away from your life. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and were trying to kill me. To this very day, I've had help from God, and I stand and testify to both small and great, important people, not important people, saying nothing other than what the prophets and Moses said would take place, that the Messiah would suffer. And that as the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. He's telling them the gospel. He didn't say, hey, these people uh, falsely accused me. He, he didn't even talk about whether they were right or not. He just said, I told people the truth. I'm telling you the truth. As he was saying these things in his defense, Festus explained and ex- exclaimed, exclaimed excuse me, in a loud voice, you're out of your mind, Paul. Too much study is driving you mad. It's another important person. How about this? You're crazy. You're weird. You're taking this God thing too seriously. Oh, my God, you're preachy. You're a Bible thumper. Again, if you had the cure to cancer, you think people would run around and go, stupid cancer healer. There's a cancer, cancer cure. No. No. Right? Would you, would you care to be called that? If someone comes and goes, look at you, you're a stupid cancer cure. It wouldn't affect you. You take pride in that, but if I call you a Bible thumper, that's wrong. You feel ashamed. Now listen to this. We're about to get to the part I like. But Paul replied, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. On the contrary, I'm speaking words of truth and good judgment. For the king knows about these things, and I can speak boldly to him. This king knew the Jewish uh, prophecies. For I am convinced that none of these things have escaped his notice since this was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. Now stop. It's an interesting parallel between Christians again. So essentially he's saying, hey, I know you believe in the prophets of old, right? You, the, the Jewish prophets. So do you believe in Jesus? Now think of the church today. Hey, I know you're a Christian, but do you think that practicing homosexuality is a sin or not? And immediately some of you go, what a hateful person. Am I? What did I say hateful? I told you that the Bible says something sin. Guess what else it says sin? You won't have a problem with this. It says I can't sleep with eight prostitutes today. You don't have a problem with that. A sin's a sin except in that. Why? You've been brainwashed. You've been brainwashed. Well, it's a choice, and why does God do that? Listen, I'm wired to like ladies, okay, right? Everyone in this room knows that when you get married, you don't magically stop being attracted to other people, right? So I have to carry that burden. Let's not ask about what caused it first, whether it's choice or not. Let's talk about the standard. Otherwise, psychopaths that say, hey, why do you murder people? I just, I've always wanted to kill things since I was young. There's a line, So what he's saying is, he's trying to make the connection. Do you believe in the prophets, right? So where do we agree? This is what he says. Agrippa said to Paul, this is so so good what's about to come. 
Agrippa said to Paul, are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? I mean, you think you're going to turn me into a Christian? Some, um, <clears throat> some versions say, I like the way it translates better, where it says, you think you here in chains are going to talk me into becoming a Christian? You're, you're a criminal. Listen to him. Paul says, I wish before, listen to the heart of this. I wish before God, replied Paul, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you, but all who listen to me today might become as I am except for these chains. That's why I like when he implied, right? You're going to talk to me in these chains? He says, I wish you were just like, imagine saying to the king, I wish you were just like me except not in chains. It's like you saying to the CEO of your company, Think of that. Now, we read this because we know we have the benefit of hindsight. We know what's going to happen, right? Paul doesn't get killed right here. But could he have? Did he know? Did he know? Some of you are like, I don't know. No, he didn't. Here's what he did know. He knew that regardless, life or death, right? He tells us in the epistles, he said, right, whether uh, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If If I die, I'm with God and all this pain and stuff ends and to live is to live for Jesus. What does it mean to live for Jesus? You think, does live for Jesus means I live up to where I'm comfortable and I'll call it Jesus? And, and the, the spectrum here is on both sides. It's easy to say the world hates Jesus. Are you going to stand up when they're mocking Jesus? Are you going to stand up? I'm saying, will you stand up to church people that change the gospel? You know, I was told before, someone I love in this room, actually, they know the story, was told that this church takes grace too far. Just so you know that I'm not over here spitting hellfire and brimstone right away. I was told it takes grace too far. I want to ask you a question. Think about that, that concept. Take grace too far. How far does the cross go? How far does Jesus go? How far does forgiveness go? The very fact that this person who was a pastor said this tells you, right, well, and I'm not judging whether the person knows Jesus, but I know this. I had to, I stood up for that in that moment. One of the few times you'll hear me say something good about myself, right? Because that twists the gospel just as much as someone saying, do what you want. If there's a limit on God's grace, then what was the cross? It's on both sides of the spectrum. You got progressive Christianity, which doesn't exist. It's just living the way you want and slapping Christianity on it. Some of you are like, what is that? If you don't know the name, you will. They've got a big website now. It's all about connecting with the higher force. And Jesus kind of opened the door, and we get to just dance around. And he's just a symbol. All this stuff. To soften it. To soften the truth. You see, grace exists, and God's forgiveness exists. And listen to me, friends, in this room. There is nothing you've done. There is no place that you are that's too dark, that's too gross, that's too sinful, that's too broken, that he can't reach you. But it has to be the real Jesus. Because this isn't the gospel. Stay in the quicksand and die. Right? Just stand right there and you're good. See, that's what some will say. Oh, Jesus loves you right where you're at as you're dying. And Jesus says, no, I do love you. But you have to move. And if all you can move is to reach out a hand, knowing that you don't want to be where you're at, but you want to be where I am, I'll grab you and I'll bring you home. But you have to accept that where you're at is not good enough. We live in a world of Christianity in the Midwest, particularly in this town, where it's all about being good enough. God's grace does not excuse us for pursuing excellence and holiness and perfection. It forgives us for when we fail. You get that? If there's a mountain or there's a road, I don't even like a mountain because it implies higher or lower, right? I'm supposed to follow him. Grace says, doesn't say I don't have to move. Grace says that when I follow and I stumble and I get lost, that he'll never let go of me. See the difference? One says I don't have to do anything. The other says, when you try and you fail, because we're all broken, right? Anybody sinned after they knew Jesus? If you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar or lazy. Either way, gotcha, right? 
are both not the gospel. I don't have a deep message for you today. What I have is like, what's the problem with our world today? Is that the that we're silent. And we've been told that that's love. You've been told that I'm just, I'm a peacemaker. Bro, I already know I made some of you mad. That's your big excuse. I'm a peacemaker. God says, blessed are the peacemakers. You misunderstand what that means. You know, Jesus describes a time when on his, this is scary, for his sake, that parents will betray children. That children will betray parents that they will turn on you. Who do you spend the most of your time with? Believers? Right? Or not? Why? And I'm not saying that, listen, I didn't grow up in a church. I like it. I get it. But sometimes we got to be real with ourselves. Because you don't want to what? Be ashamed? You can do what you want and not be ashamed when you're around people that don't claim the name, can't you? Hmm? You can be just like them and no one's going to tell you to not be. It'd be great and I could really grow our church and we could be big and awesome and we got a lot of cool things, talented worship team, loving people. All I got to do is tell you that you're good. <laughs> Man, got to be careful making those sounds, brother, because I'm going to tell you right now, everybody does this. Especially if you remember here, I, we I know we know each other, right? <clears throat> the problem in Christianity today is that we are silent. There's going to come a time when the world begins to persecute us for real in this country. It already happens in other countries. I shared a thing with the men's group, and then some of you shared on Facebook. I probably should have done that, and it, where it talks about what it's like in China. And everybody immediately stops. Here's the China story. Now, you don't get it. Those are people who are genuinely unashamed. An American went over there to help train their pastors, and they, he kind of told them they're hiding, and they have a couple Bibles. And he goes, hey, what's going to happen to us if we get caught? And they said, oh, you? Well, you'll get deported immediately. What's going to happen? And then he goes, what's going to happen to you? He goes, oh, we'll probably go to jail for seven years or so, at least. But you can't tell your friends about Jesus because they might get mad at you? We're silent. We're told that it's being a peacemaker. And what scares me, friends, is like, are you a peacemaker or are you ashamed of him? When you get mad, right, at, when you try to, I'll use the church one again. I used to use, like, the big ones. I like to use the little ones, right? I used to use adultery, and I'm going to use this one. Let's say church tents. By the way, for the 27th time, this is not for the guests. This is for the members who get mad at me constantly. I am not talking to you. You are not, I'm going to be honest, I love you all. You ain't that important that you're the only person I'm thinking of when I'm preaching. So if this angers you, take it up with Jesus because he is convicting you, okay? Not Todd. So you don't go to church, and then you start to argue when someone asks you. I had a person, I can't say that. I can't say that one because that one, all right, I, Ask yourself this. It's okay to say, like, first of all, why you got all defensive? I ain't, I'm not, say I call you, it's been three weeks, hey, where are you at? I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just asking where you're at, right? But the question is, what do you tell people, right? Do you change the standard? It's okay to say I haven't been to church, I've been living something else, I have just haven't wanted to come. All those things are the human experience, right? It's admit, but trying to get all mad and biblical, and blah, 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 that's ridiculous, the standard's pretty clear, right? Do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. What does that imply? It's things haven't changed. Some of y'all are in the habit of some. You think I want to come here every Sunday? I'm just being real with you. Do you think I want to come every Sunday? And it's like, Todd, you weren't here for a while ago. Let me tell you something. A lot of pastors do not preach. I found this out. And now I got a badge of honor to stick it in your faces, right? They say they don't preach more than 40 times a year. I can tell you right now, that has never happened that I have preached less than that, by the grace of God, partially, okay? So my point is, well, I just want to tell you I'm good. But other than that, what I wanted to do was to tell you this. I don't want to come sometimes. 
I don't. It's one thing to point out your sinfulness and like, hey, man, I failed a standard. And it's another thing to try to change the standard. Some of you are not, if you cornered me in a room, some of you I do know, and, and you cornered me and said, do you think I'm a Christian? I'm going to say, no, I see zero fruit in your life. I see you every three months when your life falls apart. That, you think that's offensive? Is that what that was? <laughs> I don't know the difference. I'm with you. I don't know. <laughs> There's things I say. He's like, maybe. I don't know, man. We were the same person. Things that offend people are funny. Anyway, <clears throat> when I look at Paul and I see him standing before there, I want to have, like, we're going we're to be persecuted by the world, but we can't even stand up against the church. I've heard of people, man, I've had people, I've told this story, people said, you can never serve again because you were divorced. What is that? Why does no one speak up in that entire church? And if you think that's right, you're crazy. Because you don't know. I already made something mad. Good, I don't care anymore. Because the bottom line, this is the truth. Paul killed people. Well, I mean, once he became a follower of Jesus, he never sinned. Well, (laughs) that's what you sound like. Peter, Peter knew Jesus, right? Paul had to go confront him afterwards because what he messed up again now somehow you see what i mean both sides the truth offends both sides it offends the people that say god can redeem a story and use a person if they're repentant and he can he can save them and still use them and you know make an incredible testimony and sin is sin and when you sin it has consequences and we can't allow sin to run rampant in god's church both those things offend two different groups of people What are they really offended by? Both things revolve around Jesus. We want to make it easier for us to swallow who he is, right? To to swallow the truth, and you can't. It's not palatable. This whole culture wars thing, it's like, when I say that we're getting ready, like, all I hear is the church say, oh, we're going to stand up against persecution. I'm like, you're not standing up against it now, against this false church that exists in America. I'm not telling you to go pick it outside church. I'm, not, I'm telling you when you're in those conversations, when you see injustice, when you see the gospel being changed, do you say anything or do you let the Pharisees speak for all of us? The reason that I am so... I don't know, man. I, I feel sometimes I feel crazy. We cannot stand, we are not going to be able to stand up against the persecution that's coming from this world if we're not willing to stand up against these Christians. Some may truly be saved and they're just speaking lies, confused, and some aren't. But that's not our job to separate. What our job is to do is to do what? What did Paul say here? I'm speaking words of truth and good judgment. Do you speak words of truth and good judgment, or do you sit silent? This whole culture wars things means nothing if you don't walk out of here and say, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move. What are the areas in your life you're honest that you just have kind of played in the middle and again God's grace is so crazy that there's going to be some people that that did that that he's still going to hold on to but you're going to watch as other people get told well done my good and faithful servant if we can't speak up against the current in Christianity we're not going to be able to speak up against the world and the persecution that's coming. <clears throat> Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 15. So what do we do? It's, just, it's a struggle all the time. It's miserable. We're going to be persecuted. Yeah. Do you know Scripture says there are going to be believers that are killed? There were believers. If there weren't martyrs who were willing to die for the truth, you wouldn't be here today. Listen to this, right? Here's the promise that we're told. 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 51. Listen to this. He says, this is Paul again, who's said all these other things, who said, hey, you're going to be persecuted. That stinks, right? Yes? Do you want to be persecuted? 
No, if you say yes, you're crazy. We don't want to be persecuted. Nobody does. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep. That's a euphemism for die. But we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptibly, and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. Listen, we aren't going to die. Even the people that died, they're not really dead, right? They're already with Jesus. He said that. Today you'll be with me in paradise, he said to the thief on the cross. When he comes back, the dead bodies will raise. We will have new bodies, right? When this corruptible body is closed with the corruptible, this mortal body is clothed with immortality. Then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory and where death is your sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a promise here. Hold on. Right before your Paul says, hold on. Don't give up. Listen, at the end, when this is all done, this is, this is over. That's what I love that Paul says. He doesn't even say die because we don't die. Did you know that? In Christ, you're not going to die. Not in the way people think. You're not die. You're an immortal being. You're just going to go home, Right? Until he comes and fixes all this. Then listen to this, though, at the end. He says, thanks be to God. Therefore, because of the promise that we know is coming, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable. Always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Some of us in Christianity today, in our attempt to be culturally relevant, and I'm I'm all for that to a degree, like we want to be able to speak to the culture. I don't want to come out and talk like King James Bible. They're not going to listen to me. Thou ought to hear, right? But we have taken that to say that we, we, we move. We move. We're not supposed to move. There's a line that we don't cross. Something that we talk about at the remnant of the lives. We want to be culture setters. We want to say maybe we can't change everything, but they're not going to change us. Immovable. We're immovable because we know what's going to happen. You don't have to be afraid. If the whole world turns against you, he has said, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. This won't even be up there. Okay, immovable. Think this through. Everybody asks me a lot of times lately, they're like, hey, Todd, do you think we're in the end times? A lot of times what I say is, what does it matter? We've been in the end times since Christ died, right? And came back. We've been in the end times. You should be living like that regardless. This is the promise we have. Revelation 21 says it won't be on the screen. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned to her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief and crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. The hurt that you're going to go through, the hurt that you're in, you know the end of the story. We hold fast, not because the promise is always going to be that it's going to work out the way we want here. But the most beautiful thing I can promise you, waking you up, is that this ends happily ever after for God's people. How do we know who God's people are? They're not ashamed, and they're immovable. They're immovable. Jesus says at the end in in Revelation 22, Look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside is everybody else. There's only one person that can wash the roads. Look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. What you do matters, and what you don't do matters.
When you think of the word traitor, treason, you know that's one of the highest crimes you can have in a country, right? Treason. Why is that? Because intrinsically we know that to say we're with someone and betray that is the, one of the worst things that a person can do. Right? What does a trader usually do? They get paid something. They, get, they have some kind of cost. We got a pen clicker over here, right? That's, <laughs> I'm a squirrel, so if you're the pen clicker, I need you, I need you to chill on it. All right? <clears throat> and then no one ever comes again. Anyway, immovable, right? We're immovable because of the promise. We're immovable because of the happily ever after. We're immovable that even if the story was just, I have saved you, right? And you'll be with me. The truth is, is that we have a promise better than that. That every time you stand up, Jesus even said, the apostles came to him and said, after the rich man, he said, rich, it's going to be hard for rich people to get in because they think they can handle it themselves. And the apostles came and said, we've walked away from everything for you. And he said, there's not going to be anything that anyone has ever walked away from that they will not be repaid for in more. I'm going to wrap this up. You get a fast one today, okay? Because the message isn't complicated. But I have a warning and I have an encouragement. Slapping a name tag on your shirt that says Christian doesn't save you. Doesn't. The thing about name tags is it's kind of like work. You take them off, right, when you go home. Isn't that what some of you do? You're not a Christian. You work as a Christian. That's your job. It's not a hat you can take off. And In fact, that's why Jesus says all the time, you must be born again. You're a new creation. you got to accept that. Guess what? You've been changed. You can't go back to the old way you live and be happy. Let me tell you something else. Some of you justify the standard because you blame humans. Thank God Christianity is not based on me. Thank God Christianity, that's the one thing you nodded to. Jaden's like, yep, that, that's true, right? Thank God it's not based on you. Got him. Yeah, right. It's him. I have been terribly hurt by people claiming the name of Christ. And the only thing that I can cling to is what he has told me, right? I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never let you go. There's nothing that can separate me from your love. Nothing. But, but, only those who are his, who know him and he knows them. We know who we are sometimes like fake gold, right? How do you know fake gold? Right? Do you know how they used to test it in the old movies, the old prospectors? Yes, you do. They bite it, right? Why is that? Because you can tell gold, right, what it is under pressure. In this case, it's soft. But you get the point. You bite it, and you can tell pressure reveals something. The persecution reveals who are going to be with Jesus. And what I'm trying to tell you is you need to practice now for what's to come. You need to practice now by living a life that's radically different. Who cares if your work people don't understand it? Who cares if your family doesn't understand it? At the end of the day, this faith isn't even about them and Jesus. It's about you and him. Who are you? We have such a limited view. We base everything on now. That's not the promise. You want to know the promise you've been given? You ready for this, David? The promise is you're going to be persecuted. Right? I can say that to David. He doesn't take offense. Right? Persecuted. You're going to be persecuted. So the warning is, is anybody in your life, does anybody in your life Actually, this sounds so strange. I'm not saying be a jerk, okay? But does anyone in your life not like what you stand for? Genuinely? Does anyone in your life not question you? Other Christians? It's not about your sin. It's not about all. It's about who do you stand with? Whose are you? And that's revealed Unfortunately, when the, t- when, the, when the heat gets hot, and some of you, you can't, you fold when it's like 60 degrees, 
Kind of like you do when you complain about being cold in here, right? Anyway, got him. You fold. We cling to the promise, not that now is going to be easy, but that later is going to be worth it. We hold on for the happily ever after. This world doesn't need more peacemakers. By the way, you can't bring no peace. (laughs) What the world needs are immovable Christians. I will not move. Well, the people in the other church said this, and this pastor said it take grace too far, and this pastor says we don't give it too much, and blah, 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 blah. Who cares? What does Jesus say? And part of the issue is you got to read what Jesus said. You got to be around Christians so that they can look at you and go, that's not what he said. You don't think, I can get confused, man. You get bombarded out there, right? Part of why we're doing this, you get bombarded with stuff, and they'll give you verses that back their thing. By the way, it's all gibberish. We need a church. What if 10, <clears throat> what happened when 12 men stood up for Jesus and preached the word of God regardless of what happened? The apostles. What happened? Changed the world. What do you think might happen in Columbia City, Indiana, if 150 people decided they were going to live radically and say, I don't care anymore? You see, that's the beauty of having a, a church body and a church family. As he said, listen, you're at war out there. You need to have a place where you can let your guard down and be together and be encouraged, right? And be set up, right? This is our war room. It's our war tent. It's our hospital. It's our encouraging place because we got to go back in that world, and it's hard. That's why some of you all, it's like you, you it makes me so sad because like you come in and get a little juice from the worship team, and you're, you're missing out. That's not the juice. The good stuff isn't now. This is all good. You know what the good stuff is? It's in that mealtime. It's in basketball, 1039, when we know we're going to be tired the next day, right? It's cleaning the building when it's gross in that men's restroom. If you've been in there, I'm sorry, man. Some of y'all nasty, right? (laughs) What? No, let me, 12 people changed the world. What would happen if, if 100 people? To this city, I mean it, I mean it. The problem is you've been brainwashed to think that God can't do it through you. He took some uneducated fishermen and changed the world. What do you think he can do with you if you just lived like it was real? That's what this is all about. That's what be the remnant is on the brain. It's like be a people that won't bow their knee to a a false gospel, to a culture that wants to tell you a lie. I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know it's scary. And you're going to have moments of failure, and that's okay. But just because you stumble doesn't mean you weren't immovable. Because you move right back where you need to be. Why? Because we're holding on, not for the now, not for the the mess, not for the scarcity. We're holding on for the happily ever after that we are promised. That's the promise. But the promise only comes through the true gospel. And the true gospel is, right? We're not good enough. There is a standard. And if you want to be with God, you have to meet the standard. And here's the bad news. You aren't good enough. You're not. I'm better than you, Todd. Whoop-dee-doo. That's not good enough. She's going to come play some music. I told you, it's not a complicated message today. But if we're going to stand in this culture war, if we're going to stop the slow degradation of God's church, you want to see, do you want to know why churches in other countries see miracles, see crazy, you know, stories that they, they see huge changes that they see revival because it's the true gospel. The only gospel that has power. The church lives like it's supposed to live. You know, people tell you that in China there's not, there's, there is a million Christians in China. We think that's crazy when you think there's a billion people there, but there's, well, how's that happening when they aren't allowed to just run out there and worship the true God? They can't, outlaw, right? They'll get killed. They have to meet in secret. Yeah, well, they can, but they got to use the Bible they changed. 
It happens because that is where the power is. The, the Holy Spirit changes people. It transforms people, but it only comes, right, through you. You are called the salt of the earth, and what happens is salt loses its saltiness. It's, it's worthless. We have to be different. Now, some of you in this room are uncomfortable. You can't wait to get out. You're mad. You're upset. You think I'm calling you out. I kind of am. You're not good enough. You are not good enough. And you've been raised in a world that makes your self-esteem the most important thing. How's it been going living your life based on your self-esteem? Your self-esteem is based on how you feel and how others make you feel. Don't choose to to live your life based on your self-esteem. Be esteemed by a holy God who says your worth never changes. You're never not good enough for him. In him you are perfected. You want to be mad, be mad. Be mad that what? That you're not good enough? Come back to that in a second. Listen, I want to ask the Christians in the room, are you bold? Are you actually bold? Whatever standard they see, will you stand for and with Jesus? Can you be immovable in a culture that doesn't want you to be? Immovable means whatever comes to your mind right now is what you need to do. I know, I know members in this place who argue and rail against, well, a woman doesn't have to do this in a marriage and a man doesn't have to do this. Who are you following? Why are you trying to talk somebody into it? Why aren't you going to the Bible and trying to talk it into it? Right? You, because you know what the Bible says. Are you bold? Will you stand for him with Jesus? Can you be immovable in a culture that doesn't want you to? Will you stand for truth, capital T, when it has a cost? It's easy to say praise Jesus when the music is loud and the lights are dim. It's different when right, the crowd is loud and the heat is high. Some of you are letting friends go to hell because that's where they're going because you'd rather fit in with them than tell them the truth. I'm not saying you can't be friends with them, but you literally, I want you to think of that. You don't love them. You love being loved by them. Will you speak up for the true gospel? There's only one. What is that? We are messed up. We are separated from a holy God. And if you're not with him, you're against him. And those who are against him will be judged. There is no happily ever after. Unfortunately, we know the end of the story for them too. And it ends in fire and pain and separation and torment. Well, how could a good God do that? He doesn't. He just lets you stay where you want to stay. See, we're all headed off a cliff. Jesus said, come this way and I will save you. And we just rather drive off the cliff and then blame him. Right? You want free will? You want choice? This is what it is. You know I'm telling the truth. We're not good enough. Everybody, the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means we're all sinners. We're all broken. The best person you thought think of in the world they've messed up and they do mess up and some of you in this room have have ran from Jesus for so long because you think this is the gospel hi I want you to be perfect and you know what's really cool about you you're at least honest enough to say I can't be perfect and so you run from him because you think that's the standard no here's the thing you have to admit you're not perfect and that you need his perfection We're separated from the Holy God. We can't make our way to him. So what happened? God came to us. Jesus Christ, he existed. Jesus of Nazareth existed. God made flesh. He told us how to live. He performed miracles to prove who he was. He was murdered and killed and died on the cross for our sins. The wrath, the the judgment that you deserve was poured on him on the cross. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Over 500 witnesses attested to the risen Christ. Fact. To prove who he was, to save us. Here's what you have to do today, and you can know that you will have a happily ever after, that your sins can be forgiven, that you don't have to live in shame and misery and that hole that you've been trying to fill with bottles and pills and bodies. I don't care how far you've went. I'm sorry people have told you that you're too far gone. You're not. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Put simply, forgive me, God. I know that I've done wrong. I may not get all of this. I don't understand it all, but I believe you are who you said you are. Save me, Jesus. 
in that moment, you're transformed. The Holy Spirit is sealed in you. You can't out his grace. You can't lose it, right? Once you've been transformed. You're going to have an opportunity in this room. Some of you need to repent. You've been living your life like clay. You just fit in whatever surroundings you're put in. Is that you? How's it working out for you? And some of you in the room don't know Jesus because you've been told you're not good enough or you've been too prideful or whatever. Don't leave today. I get it. As soon as this goes off, some of you want to get out of here and run away. That's fine. But that little tiny voice in your head that's saying something, something's different, something's true here. Listen to that voice because I was you sitting in a dark room when someone said the same thing to me. And I'm not even going to make you go behind the creepy door like they did me, right? There's going to be people up here willing to pray with you wherever you're at. If you're broken, you're hurting, you're lost, he's here. Get prayer. Don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.